Tziyata Dishmaya, we're going to continue with our with our Shurim on Ahavas Israel as brought down by the base Halevi. So yesterday we wrapped up, kind of wrapped up in terms of learning the teachers on what is really what is baseless hatred? What is sinachinam? What does that look like? How does it show up in your life? And before we go into the next uh, subject here, which is we're going to talk about rebuke. Rebuke, which is Musar, right? Musar and flattery. We're going to talk about these two. Um, these two, but as bowed down by the, the Beis Alavia. I, I, I want to say something. I don't know if you guys have noticed something, and it's very important for us to note. Ever since, ever since that Hashem gave us that patch, which we received, and unfortunately, unfortunately, He did it, you know, by using such a Rasha and such a Amalek to do it. And afterwards, how we became and how we came all into Agdut, how we're doing for each other and sharing with each other and caring for each other, and we can't to heal them for each other and dominating for each other and crying for each other. I, I can't tell you how many miracle stories I've been hearing all the time about constantly people doing for each other and the miracles it's creating for the soldiers out in the field. I see it all the time. They know it. They see it. And they're even begging to please, please, to keep doing what we're doing because it's very important for them. Actually, it's not important. It's life-saving. It's actually life-saving. And I want to bring out something. And I don't know if you guys have figured figured this out, but Hashem, Baruch Hashem, gave me the light yesterday. I had like a huge revelation that we used to always say right before Elul, we used to always say the king is in the field, right? Right? In Elul, we would talk. It's a month where the king is in the field is right before Rosh Hashanah. What does that mean that the king is in the field? When the king is in the field, that means that all of Hashem's 13 attributes are shining heavily on the world, which means that Hashem is shining his 13 attributes and it's affecting us all. And he's just doing it in such a way that it's going to open us up to easily do teshuva. And because what Hashem really wants is he wants all of us to do teshuva. So that's what he's looking for. So when the king is in the field, that means that he's standing there waiting for you to come and do teshuva. So guess what, guys? This was a huge, huge revelation I got. The chedesh yesterday is Hashem is in the field now. Hashem has been in the field since what happened on October 7th. On Simchat Torah, Hashem came into the field and he's listening so carefully for anyone, anyone who wants to do Teshuvah, Hashem is jumping right in and he's giving them a Yeshua. And if you don't know that, you should pay attention and open your eyes to all the people that survived what happened on October 7th. Every single one of them has a story of a Yeshua because they decided in that moment, it came to them to look up to Shemaim and to turn to Kadosh Baruch Hu. And that is what Hashem is looking for. Hashem is looking for people. He's not saying, he's, he, you know, the, the, the people that were saved, it's not like they did all these things and then they started the point of the path of Teshuvah. All they did, all they did was they looked up to Hashem and they said, Hashem, either I'm sorry or I'm going to take upon myself Shabbat or I'm going to, you know, stop whatever. They did something. And the only thing that they did was they looked up to Hashem. And there's countless of miracle stories, guys, that you could see for yourself on how every single one of the ones that survived, 
all of them have something to say about what they did. They turned to Kadosh Baruch Hu and Kadosh Baruch Hu saved them beyond logic, beyond logic, how these people were saved. And a lot of them are telling their story so you could hear it from themselves. So right now, guys, I'm telling you, it's a big hitish I got yesterday. You guys are in, we're all, we're all right now. The king is in the field again. He's in our field right now, waiting, waiting for each and every one of us to come closer to him. And that's not just talking about the people that are far, that are like Kiloni, Tinok Nishba, let's call them Tinok Nishba because that's what they are, right? But there are brothers and sisters and we love them just the same. It means that each and every one of us, I don't care how Haredi you think you are or how how uh, Dati Lumi you are or how whatever you think you are, we're all Yehudim. We're all Jewish souls and Hashem has so that we came into this world to reach our potential and that means there's a lot more work that we need to do within ourselves because once we work our inside and inner world then the outside world changes with us it changes with us automatically Hashem makes it change and look how much chesed he gives us that all we have to do all we have to do, I'm telling you, it's like, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's just reach out to him. Open the, like the size of a needle, the pin of a needle. That's, that's what it says, right? It Chazal talks about that. Open for me the size of the pinhead of a needle. And Hashem comes in and Hashem gives us our Yeshua. And Hashem makes it easy. Not easy, but He opens the doors for you to do Teshuvah. Because in the way a person wants to go, that's exactly the way in which Hashem is going to lead him. Why? Why is that? Because we came to this world with one thing. One thing is we have free will in one area. In one little area. Are you going to have Yirat Shamaim or are you going to have Yirat something else? You know, so when we have Yirat Shamaim and we look up to Hashem, that's it. That's You chose that, right? That's your choice. Hashem doesn't interfere in that choice. But after that, after that decision, Hashem takes over. And Hashem gives you all that you need so that you can do your Teshuvah. He shines the light so he can see where in your own house do you have dirt? Where in your own house can you do a little bit of sweeping? Because we all have something that we could sweep up. We all have something that we can do teshuva on because none of us we're not here we're not angels and if we're still here it's because we have a lot more work to do so with that being said take advantage of that and share with other people Hashem is in the field Hashem is in the field right now any little thing that you decide to do any little thing that you decide to do for yourself and for Claudia Israel do it and take it upon yourself for the sake of the merit and giving the Zehusim to Klad Israel because right now what's saving us guys I'm telling you we only saw a patch that was only a patch okay just to get just get a little flavor and it was a horrific scene to see and experience and witness and there's still a lot of pain because of it but that was a patch so what are we doing now we're in a dude and we have to stay that way we can't let this buzz we have to get it stronger and stronger and stronger so we can continue to go up that ladder and continue to do it in such a way that we can bring Mashiach because that's what's that's all it's going to take Hashem expects us to be an Akdut and as as we learned yesterday's lesson and in, in the Sinachinam Sinachinam was what the second temple it was destroyed the first temple was destroyed because of the three sins cardinal sins right but it only lasted like 70 years this this temple the second one we're still in exile why because it's baseless hatred and there was a lot of torah happening in the second temple as we learned a lot of torah but inside in their hearts they hated they didn't respect they had a tightness on someone they had something a a a, a, a dust 
of what is, you know, not so nice or not feeling nice or not or judging people. All that was concealed. And because of that concealment, because it was in the inside and Hashem knows what's in our hearts. Hashem knew that everyone did not respect each other and there was no love for each other. There was no adut. There was no adut. So what did Hashem do? He destroyed the temple. And to this day, we're still waiting for the temple to come. And how are we going to bring it? Only through adut. And only through Ahavas Israel, but real Ahavas Israel, not fake Ahavas Israel, because it was a fakeness that brought down the second temple to begin with. So we have to be real about this feeling about caring and loving and sharing and helping our brothers and our sisters, regardless of where they're holding. I don't care if they have a keep on their head or not a keepah. That's not your business. That's a Shem's hejbon, not yours. Your job is to love every Jew. So now we're going to go and we're going to talk about the, the the Musar part of it and or the rebuke and, and, and flattery as, as the base Halevi brings it down. So in Parashat Kedushim, and we see this in Baikra, it's written, do not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely admonish your fellow. And it's stated only in the Zohar Kadosh, in, in, in the Raya Mehemna, that this command is to admonish one, the one who sinned. It is meant to show him great love. So he shows him compassion by rebuking him so that he not be punished. Okay, so even though a person is obligated to rebuke his friend when he sees him committing a sin, right? The Zohar teaches that a person has to do so out of love for the person because since he loves him, he doesn't want him to be punished. He doesn't want him to do the Avera. He wants, he, 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 he therefore will rebuke him and give him Musar out of love. And out of love, it's an eye-opening statement. And it clarifies a common misconception. Rebuke or Musar is often classified negatively as criticism. And it can sometimes involve angry shouting or even a slap. But however, the Zohar is teaching us that it's it's the pop polar opposite, complete opposite. The Torah commands us to rebuke as an act of pure love. Only as an act of love. So just as a loving father sternly rebukes his child who ran into the street because he fears for his safety, so too when we rebuke our friend, it has to be done in the same fashion, out of love. Only out of love and concern that he not be punished for his sinful deeds. And it's not merely a nice idea. This is not just a little gesture. It goes further than that. Because it seems from the Ramban that this halachic uh, ramification, it's also a halacha as well. And the Ramban writes regarding the mitzvah of giving rebuke, because it's also a mitzvah, but one has to give rebuke privately, guys, privately. Speak pleasantly and speak softly and inform the person that you are only doing this for his benefit because you love him. You have to let it come from your heart because if it's not coming from your heart, then you have no business saying anything to anyone. So since a person has to inform his friend that he is rebuking him for his benefit and you're coming from a place of love, Obviously, an integral part of the mitzvah, a rebuke, is that the one giving the rebuke must intend it for the benefit, for the benefit of the person that's doing the avera, for the sinner. So often people refrain. They don't give rebuke because they want to maintain their friendly relationship. They want to maintain their friendly relationship with the sinner. And, and when they see him doing something wrong, they keep quiet. They don't say anything because they want to cause, they don't want to cause any friction, friction between them. So in truth, 
they don't really love their friend. They don't love them at all because if they did, they would want to stop him from sinning. They wouldn't want him to continue to make an Avera. And so the reason that they don't rebuke them is that they love themselves and they don't want their friend to be angry at them. So they're only thinking about themselves. And the verse states this in, in Mishle, one who spares his rod hates his child, but he who loves him disciplines him in his youth. And Rashi goes further and explains that one who does not hit his child will eventually hate him, for the child will end up not going on the proper path. And Malbim explains, however, that if one does not chastise the child, it shows that he hates the child even now, even while he's basically on the proper path. Why? Why is this? Because if he really loved this child, he would not allow him to behave improperly. He would discipline him. It's important to note that his rod does not only mean a physical blow or slap. Rav Shlomo Wolby writes that it includes every form of constructive discipline. A disappointed expression or withholding sweets is also considered his rod. Regardless, the point remains the same. Properly administered discipline is a sign of love and concern to the child. A parent who lets him do whatever he wants may seem loving, but a parent does not truly love his child. And this is a lesson with regard to all rebuke and all Musar, not only from a parent to a child. Rebuke should be a sign, a sign of love. So I hope we really get to understand that, right? But about the Holy One, blessed be He, it's written in Mishle, for Hashem admonishes the one He loves. So we see that Mishle states that admonishment must come from love of His fellow and not shalom from hatred. So this essence of admonis- uh, admonishment comes from love because the Zohar quotes from the verse, for Hashem admonishes the one that He loves. Right, And so here also the Zohar proves proves from this verse that it says about Hashem that Hashem rebukes only those whom he loves. So just as Hashem rebukes out of love, so too we have to emulate his ways. And the Zohar also then describes how Hashem rebukes. He has a system, guys. Hashem has a system. First, he lovingly rebukes a person privately. Right? Privately, so that no one else knows about it. But then, if the rebuke is not accepted, Hashem rebukes him in front of all his friends so that only his inner circle knows. And if he still doesn't accept the rebuke, Hashem issues the rebuke in a more public area. But ultimately, if the person still doesn't listen, Hashem abandons him and lets him do as he desires. So too, this is how we should be with our fellow man who writes the way that one should learn from Hashem in regard to how to give rebuke properly. So interestingly, the Zohar Kadosh applies this approach in interpreting the verse, and in interpreting the verse, uh, you shall give rebuke privately. You shall rebuke in front of his friends, your friend, publicly. So we understand that how important it is, guys. It's so important for us to understand that we need to do this out of love. Because if we don't do and we don't tell our friends in a loving and kind and and beautiful way, because trust me, when you talk to someone from your heart, it's going to be received.
well. When you talk to someone out of ego or out of hatred, they're gonna gonna know that. There's not gonna be a connection there, okay? And so instead of bringing the the person closer to Kadosh Baruch Hu, what we're doing is we're repelling him further away. And so we have to be very careful when we give rebuke or we give Musar how we do it. And if if you're not in a position to give a rebuke in a loving way, don't give it at all. Don't give it at all. Don't say anything at all until you can calm yourself to a point where you can do it out of love. So it says also further, behold, in tractate sota, Rabbi Elazar said that if any person has in him flattery. Now flattery, flattery, it's important to note, to note that not only is flattery a negative trait, it transgresses a prohibitive commandment according to some reshonim. Rishonim. However, Rab Moshe Feinstein rules that one is permitted to flatter a sinner as long as the flattery does not justify the sinner's actions in any way. And furthermore, in Totafot, it says that if the situation is life-threatening, like Pikuach Nefesh, one is permitted to flatter a sinner. A very delicate fine line there, guys. So even if fetuses in their mother's wombs curse him even if fetuses in their mother's wombs curse him and it's stated further in Mishlei, one who tells a wicked person you are righteous the peoples will curse him and nations will denounce him and the word kav kav means nothing other than curse and and the word leom means nothing other than fetuses as it's stated in bereshit and the one leom nation will be mightier than the other Leom nation. So one must understand the intention of this statement. So what is the relevance of fetuses to this person? And what is added by stating that also the fetuses curse him? So it would seem that there are many character traits in the world. And in the nature of the people, they are opposite one to another, truly from one extreme to another, to the extent that one could say that every person is like a divergent species. Beklal, really, this is because every species of a domestic animal, of a wild animal, even though certainly everyone has small differences in his nature, nevertheless, in general, their fundamental nature is the same. So the entire species of cows are equivalent in their fundamental fundamental nature, and similarly for the remainder of the animals. However, the nature of people is that they are different from one another to the extent that two people can be considered two, truly two different species. As the Rambam wrote in the, in the Guide to the Perplexed, and it's cited also in Akeda in Parashat Mishpatim, the variations among members of any species are slight except for man. For you will find two people from them as, the, as if they are from two species in every characteristic to the extent that you find cruelty in man to the degree that he could kill his youngest child in anger while another person has pity over the killing of a worm from the tenderness of his heart. So since the character traits are contrary to one another, therefore every character trait conflicts with his fellows and rejects it. The two opposites cannot be found in one person. Cannot. Because every person is unique and specific character traits are often polar opposites. So it's therefore rare that one person can have two conflicting character traits. So we clearly see that in essence, the nature of the miser 
and the stingy one are far from gluttony and would never be among those who gorge on meat and imbibe wine. He also is he is also distant from arrogance and from anything of extravagance. So a sensuous person is by nature a lavish spender. So it is with all the destructive character traits, they cannot reside together in one person. Cannot because a stingy person won't allow himself to spend on excessive pleasures. And hence he's going to live a simple and humble life. And so there, that is wherein the verse praised the words of Torah and it says in Tehillim, the judgment of Hashem are true, righteous all together. For only the positive character traits and the righteousness can unite together for both to be in one man. Each one functioning at the same time, it is needed and for the purpose it is needed for. And so just as we find with the righteous that with the magnitude of their compassion on the poor and oppressed and their humility towards other upright people, Likewise, great is their fortitude and courage against the wicked. And this is the intent of the statement in the Talmud regarding King uh, uh, David Amelech, uh, David Shalom, who was called Adinu Ha'etzni. And for he would sit and study Torah. He would humble his, himself like a worm. And when he would go out to battle, he would harden himself like wood. So affecting eight hundred casualties in one battle so their intended meaning is that he had in him two extremes david amalek had in him two extremes each one available to him when he needed them and even though it would seem that each trait is naturally opposed to one another so the reason for this is that a righteous person does not utilize a trait that does not perform any action because of his nature for his nature and his physical force are nullified and this is also seen in scripture that brings it down into Tehillim my heart has died within me all his actions are motivated solely to do the will of his creator and therefore the two extremes are appropriate in them and this is what scripture states also in Tehillim the judgments of Hashem are true righteous altogether if they are done in truth solely because of the will of the creator blessed be he without any other motivations at all for even in a mitzvah there may be impure motivations like for example the one who gives charity gives because he's soft-hearted and that he cannot tolerate the abject poverty of the pauper and wishes to assuage the discomfort of his own soft-heartedness and give him charity Alternatively, alternatively, though, one who chastises the wicked might do so out of arrogance. And if so, this is not genuine chastisement. And the two cannot exist. It cannot. So when one, in other words, when one gives generously to others out of mere goodness of the heart, but not because this is what the Torah commands, he is performing a mitzvah. But such a person will not naturally be able to stand strong against the wicked because his deeds are the product of of his personal emotions do we get that so therefore if he's afraid to offend a sinner he will not admonish him even in a friendly manner so however if they are genuine they are righteous altogether which means that in circumstances when it's a mitzvah to be cruel he's cruel and when it's a mitzvah to have, mer to have mercy he is going to be merciful however the wicked person indeed follows his nature 
the vision of his heart and his desires that are tied to his nature. So indeed, never would he act against his nature and his will. Since the evil impulses are distanced from one another, they therefore cannot be found in one person. And about them, the scripture states in Tehillim, dispersed shall be all doers of evil. So in other words, in this plain sense, this verse is referring to the physical dispersion and destruction of evildoers. Because the Beis HaLevi interprets it to mean that the evildoers are naturally dispersed from, one of, from, from the other, as each one of them follows his own negative character traits. So I'm hoping we get to that, right? So in scriptures it says in Tehillim, dispersed shall be all doers of evil, for they are distant, distinct. They are distinct from one another according to the division of their nature. And this one is drawn to this sin, and his fellow is drawn to a different sin, which is the opposite of it. So I also want to say that earlier the Beis HaLevi explained that the unity of conflicting character traits depends on their truthfulness. So meaning that they are all equally dedicated to the service of Hashem. So based on this, we can understand the above mentioned verse as well. So the verse refers to evildoers, like doers of evil, that state that the word, the, this word does not mean evil, but falsehood. It, means, it doesn't mean evil, it means falsehood. The, the main reason for the dispersion of the evildoers is not necessarily their wicked deeds, but their false motives. Do we understand that? So, behold, whoever is by nature contentious, argumentative, and quarrelsome is distanced from flattering others. The flatterer is by nature distanced from discord and hatred. And so there is a well-known saying that it is not easy to find someone who strikes his fellow because he flatters him, notwithstanding that he himself hates the straight of flattery. Nevertheless, he will not start an argument with him because he flatters him. And so we have to also, I want to ask, also bring down here also that although flattery is often not generated by genuine good feelings, it's merely an insincere tactic to gain popularity. Nevertheless, its recipient will never harm the flatterer. And that's true even if he knows that the flatterer is not sincere because for such is the nature of flattery. It's like many foods that are enjoyable even though they are unhealthy. And so at first glance, a person might think that even though flattery is a negative character trait, nevertheless, a minimal positive benefit is found therein, that it protects him from discord and hatred. Since discord is the greatest force for destruction in the world. Makloket, guys. Makloket is the worst. The worst. So when a person discerns that his nature is drawn towards discord, he should train himself to be a flatterer in order to avoid discord and hatred. Look at that. It's to his benefit to choose the lesser evil. Choosing the lesser evil, guys. So... We see this also that at first glance it would seem that the, such flattery can have a positive result. But the Beis HaLavi is not going to explain the opposite is true. And so, behold, in Tractate Shabbat, it states, Because of the sin of the baseless hatred, strife increases in the household of a person, and his wife miscarries fetuses. And here, just the Rashi explains here that these two punishments are meted measure for measure. Measure for measure. And so 
Migdah keneged Migdah. For one who has hatred towards others will bring hatred into his own home. And additionally, since he did not show love for others, Hashem will take away from him those he loves the most, which is his children. So Rashi does not explain why this punishment affects only fetuses. But Ben Ben Yehoyada there explains that since hatred is an inner feeling, so too the punishment affects a person's inner possessions his family, and fetuses. Whoa, 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 guys, I tell you, it's something definitely to pay attention to. So indeed, miscarriages comes through hatred. And it's it's logical. It is logical to say that for the flatterer, at least the fetuses in the womb of their mothers are required to love him because the flattery safeguards them from being miscarried. So about this, our sages of blessed memory said in, in Maseket Sotah, the one who is a flatterer, even fetuses curse him, for this is not the proper way to distance oneself from hatred. By means of cleaving to flattery and telling an evildoer, you're righteous. And so on the contrary, the essence of flattery stems from the fundamental hatred he harbors towards his fellow. He is not concerned with the betterment of his fellow, but rather rejoices in his stumbling. And this is why the flatterer does not reproach him, telling him to rectify his evil deeds. What's more, he encourages him to continue with his evil ways. If he loved his fellow as himself, then just as for himself, he would distance himself from anything evil because it is evil. And similarly, he would strive to distance his fellow from this evil path. If so, the contrary, to the contrary, this flatterer is further corrupting matters for the fetuses. And, and I just want to say here also, that the Beis Alavi answered two questions he raised on this Gemara, that the fetuses hate the flatterer because indeed he's harming them, since he's causing more hatred, and hatred causes the death of fetuses. And furthermore, there's an added element that causes even the fetuses to hate him, for although on the surface it would seem that the flatterer should be complimented for increasing love and friendship, therefore saving the fetuses from death, the truth is that because his flattery is insincere, it increases the danger to the fetuses it's crazy this is crazy this is ms guys ms this is our torah so therefore the scripture further states that one who tells a wicked person you are righteous the peoples will curse him and nations fetuses will denounce him so i'm going to wrap up here and we're going to continue with these teachings tomorrow will help us that we should bring more clarity into this subject because this is a very interesting subject guys and i think we all have to pay very close attention on what is rebuke and what is flattery and how dangerous it is to embark on one or the other for example without the right kavana or the right intent so bezat hashem hashem will help us continue with these lessons tomorrow and because i like to end every lessons with something of an ishtat loot that we need to do and an attack list i would think sing seek to yourself and 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 sing and and say to yourself and look inside yourself when was the last time that you flattered someone just because you know and, and and if you look at that deed and you look at the flattery that you did and even though maybe that person wasn't so or isn't so righteous because maybe he does do, do things that are not in accordance with the laws of the torah but yet you find yourself flattering him look inside yourself and see the emits and what the base alavi is bringing down and teaching us from all of our sources in our torah because none of this is it's, it's just you know it's it's not someone talking just to talk these are all founded in our torah these are all coming from the sages 
of, of our Torah, Hashem's mouths in this world. This is all emes, coming from Kadosh Baruch Hu. So we have to look into ourselves and see when we flattered someone, and maybe that person wasn't doing maybe the right thing, but we wanted to flatter him anyway, just because, whatever. Look inside yourself and see the real reason why you did that, right? And if you see someone that's doing something not so nice or something not so good, and they're your friend, look inside yourself too. Why haven't you said something to them? Why, if you love them so much and they're your friend and you do really love them, and you do understand as well and you do really love them why haven't you caught them to the side and in private say look i love you i really do and because i, I you know i noticed that I, I i saw this and i learned it differently you know how did you learn it because i learned it that this you know whatever whatever and find words to say and if you don't know the right words go get das Torah. go get das Torah if you really love your friend and you get das Torah and you ask a rav Go to your local Orthodox rabbi and ask your Rav, how should you bring this issue up to your friend that you love so much because it hurts you to see him do an Avera, okay? Because you don't want to see him uh, deal with the punishments and because of that, you want to say something. So that's your little homework for today, your talkless for today. Bezat Hashem will continue with these lessons. Bezrat Hashem tomorrow. Baruch Adonai, Amen ve Amen.